You are listening to the Amnesty in Africa podcast. I am Prudence Nyamshana. From Maya Angelou to Okot Pabitek, James Baldwin, poetry has been used to speak up about issues in society and as a form of resistance. In fact, Audrey Lord says, poetry is not a luxury. It is a vital necessity of our existence. It forms the quality of the light within which we predicate our hopes and dreams towards survival and change. First made into language, then into idea, then into more tangible action. Today, I speak to three Ugandan poets. Hi, I'm Carolina Fretri, the unapologetic poet. I'm Brandy Arini Itwe, just a poet. <laughs> I am Masi Geno Apache. I'm a spoken word artist from Uganda. I'm known as a shy poet, a non-conformist, and a firm believer in humanity. Thank you. Caroline, Brandy, Masi Geno, welcome to the Amnesty in Africa podcast. When we think of protests, which for us at Amnesty mean another form of freedom of expression, we recognize that there are other forms of protests. The imagination of protesting is taking over the streets, displaying placards and singing slogans. Our guests today will give us something special. I will not eat cassava, I want cheese. I asked the poets who their inspiration was in the world of poetry. Or I will not bathe the skin, I will scratch, but you will also feel the pain. Uh, my journey to poetry uh, actually wasn't, uh, didn't start a long time ago, but of course it started around 2015. Of course, we love poems. And then, of course, uh, I got to understand my identity as a poet and I was able to delve into other issues like women issues. So it has been an amazing journey for me as a poet so far. And for you, Brandy. I think I first wrote poetry as a child, but I didn't know what I was writing till when I met people later as an adult who were performing poetry, then I knew I wasn't weird. All through my life, I felt writing itself was wrong. I was a nerd. Then when I met people who did poetry, I was like, wow, I'm one of them. Same as Brandy, uh, as I started uh, doing poetry as a child, I didn't know what it was as well. And then in high school, it was also there. I actually used to sell some of my poetry to my teacher and to the <laughs> students. And then I didn't even know about Maya Angelou or whoever. I just knew that there was poetry. And I learned about poetry from high school through um, Azania. Yeah, that was the, my first uh, impact with poetry. So what would you describe your genre as? Uh, our genre is mostly protest, I believe, <laughs> because we normally write poems about, you know, something that affects us like in this scenario as women you know mm -hmm. as women and, and what society you know tries to like you know the confinement society puts us in so we try to bring that out in poetry as women brandy during my IT classes i used to call myself a programming feminist mm -hmm. i believe in <laughs> wow. standing for myself as a woman and i think most of my poetry is because of me because i am a woman because there are other women like me yeah. Right. Right. We do both uh, spoken word and page poetry. So with spoken word for me, as a firm believer in humanity, I was just tired. I was so tired of so many shenanigans people 
people have their moral high horses and what should be done right and what should not be done right. So that is where my protest comes in. Like I just want to do me and be me without being challenged. Uh, who inspires you, especially with po protest poetry? With protest poetry, uh, I would say probably Langston Hughes and Maya Angelou. Yeah, mm -hmm. I read their work a lot. I'd say Maya Angelou, how she used sassiness to stand against all these injustices is just up there. So like I said, I was introduced to poetry from Uganda. Uh, I was inspired by Say Carol of Poetry, Jason Taro, and then later on I got to know about the Maya Angelus, and now I'm still getting to know about more. What is your first memory of protest? For instance, for me, my first memory of protest was in a, a taxi when I was 12, and I had been sent home alone for the first time, and then they tried to get me off my seat, and I refused. Uh, and and then the, I remember the, the cab guide asking me, you are very big head telling me you are very big headed. I wonder <laughs> what sort of wife you're going to be <laughs> at 12. Yeah. So what is your first memory of protest? Okay, my first memory was actually in senior two. I was in an economics class and there was this teacher. He, I found him so boring, honestly, because he would walk into class and I would switch off. Whatever he said, I wouldn't understand. So this moment, he tells me, I want you all to express yourselves what you don't like about my class. And I used to sit at the back. So then he pointed at me, you woman at the back, tell me what you don't like about my class. I told him, sir, you're just boring. <laughs> so oh my he, gosh. And then he was just like, if I could fly, I'd fly over there and slap you. <laughs> but you know, speaking my mind. And I believe after that, he was able to establish a conversation on that, you know, and that changed economics for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Brandy. I think my first memory of protest was I was climbing a tree as I think an eight or seven year old. Mm -hmm. And some woman told me, mm. girls don't climb trees. I looked at her, laughed and told her to go and report me to my mother. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, from primary, I think even from kindergarten, I've always sucked at math. Mm -hmm. So in primary school, I used to get caned a lot. Our teachers would write uh, work for us to solve on the blackboard and each person solves one by one. And if you fail it, they cane you then. Then So imagine how many canes I used to get. Mm -hmm. So this one time, the math teacher did that. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I just started forming. Like I forged saliva, a lot of saliva to come out from my mouth. And it looked like I was epileptic. And then I told him, you shouldn't have cane, you shouldn't have cane. <laughs> and then the saliva was pouring, they rushed me to the sick bed. But thank God the nurse wasn't there. After that, I sort of got a cheat that said, do not cane this girl. The math teacher stood up for me every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I acknowledge that it's okay to have uh, poetry for poetry's sake, yeah, for art's sake to enjoy poetry. But um, just if you could tell me what you all, the three of you, understand by protest poetry. So for me, when I write poetry and it's something that affects me, that's the direction I take, you know, to be able to communicate and make people feel and also hope that there will be some change that will come out of it. Um, I think Caro said, precious poetry is when you come out and stand for yourself, even when no one chooses to stand with you. Most of these poems, no one will even like them or even those that will follow them will follow them in fear because they will be in their hearts, your, the drone will come or your 
be how will people look at me mm-hmm. because the world has made us think there is a way we have to act there is a way we have to talk there is a way we have to write yet in protest poetry you have to stand for whatever you think the world is not ready to hear but you have to say it for those who don't know what the drone is it's uh <laughs> it's a psv kind of van uh vehicle that uh is white is are they white and black, white and black. yeah white black and gray that pick up random dis- dissidents that are opposing the Ugandan government and then you'll disappear if you don't have people making noise for you on twitter then you might not be seen in a in a long time yes geno <laughs> to be a uh, protest poetry you know the taboos and the things that people think you shouldn't be saying out loud and others are afraid to say it so i throughout growing up i realized i was one of those people that i don't know how to fight i can't fight i love i'm a very delicate chick if i should put it like that <laughs> mm-hmm. um i don't know how to quarrel i'm a very quiet person and so i i i learned that most of the anger that i have comes out in pen and that's the only way i really fight the things that don't settle well with me hence protest poetry most most of my poetry is ranting really so how has poetry helped you in addressing experiences in your daily lives if you can tell me one of your latest uh, protests in this uh, uganda of ours poetry no when you when we write poetry like for me in my in, when i write a poem about you know what goes on around what i experience i feel like i'm able to get some form of healing Recently, I think it was about one of the poems I was writing about, you know, I was writing about the vagina. Mm-hmm. And I felt like some people were actually angry about it. Women were calling me all kinds of names because of the poems. Mm. So, but eventually I found that for me it was actually vindicating me and other women who came out were able to relate with it. Mm-hmm. So, I found that I should continue writing in that same language and expressing myself that way and they'll get used to it and somehow I feel it's much better now funny how women choose to judge you for writing about a vagina they work with on a daily <laughs> <laughs> I think in one of my poems it's called it's a prayer it's called shaka baba 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 people mm-hmm. find it hilarious but it was me telling the world it is not right to rape people in church it happens and people yeah. don't talk about it every time i've performed it people have come out to tell me i'm fighting church i don't fight church i fight rapists well do you people know the the pressure that women have to qualify as good looking or as you know uh, wife materials or as as a woman it is like so hard for me those are the things that are knowing me about life really anything that people you know that that car line people put for women to jump over mm. so most of my pieces are non conformity pieces and that's where i come in and this is where this is where it gets interesting each of you is going to sample us i know we we are a cognizant of the fact that your poetry is expensive but um we are hoping that this platform showcases uh the these three amazing ugandan uh women that are using poetry for protest so it's your turn caroline we are designing the trading center with photos of his public parts he calls them private parts but a mingling stick that has cooked in all the village pots can never be private public the king held his penis and today we draw the mingling stick everyone 
picture the one you saw. I swear I saw that. Bent at the top, converge and sing the night calls he enjoyed as he cooked in our pots. Today we converge, uncovered at the trading center. Our position is not the kitchen anymore. We are not cooking today. Let us see how lame our husband's arms can be. Let us watch him eat raw food. Bring the Ludo and Moiso boards. Collect the spears. Let's fight for our rights. Kaindo squeezed my breasts and laughed. Today I kicked his balls. Let's laugh. Let the rapist die. He said I was his bought in animal currency he paid bride price and sex was the price consent was never a choice he paid the price but yesterday was the last time he patted my legs i broke those hands with ease as though they were eggs converge let us fight let's dance and shout as we laugh at the king's steep Thank you so much, Brandy. I think this is my second piece. Hallelujah. Close your eyes. Let's pray in the name of the president, army, and useless parliament. No situation is permanent, but Museveni is permanent. Money he pulls like a magnet and our voices, his ears repel like magnetic light poles. His ears look a lot like my problems. The pinna well drawn like his manifesto and the tunnel hollow and empty like his promises. Hallelujah, close your eyes and let the Lord pass. There is a loot and big fish, close your eyes, let corruption pass. Rebuke your poverty, it is a curse. Why didn't your father fight? You have no right to stand or speak even if you fought. Why didn't your father fight? Close your eyes and listen to the lies. In his hands, our future lies. Close your eyes. He owes us our lives. Close your fucking eyes. But remember to open your mouth. I will not eat cassava. I want cheese and mayonnaise. I will not bathe. I can't afford a bath. Give me cheap soap or I will not bathe the skin I will scratch, but you will also feel the stench. I will not bathe. And also how society, you know, tries to control you. That was mostly in the last piece that was so short, but I was able to feel that part about you. The response can be negative or positive, but for me, how I deal with it, I just continue. You become like crazy, you know, because when you try to censor yourself, it's like you're limiting yourself. So my deal with it by just continuing and hoping that people will be able to, you know, understand and accept it. And somehow it and somehow along the way, people are able to get used to it. So that's how I deal with censorship. Is it right to say that poets can are possessed by some uh, supernatural uh, <laughs> <laughs> a being that makes you guys dispassionate. It is a. It's mostly a metaphor. Yes. Uh. Like I. I, I like saying, man. Today my writing demons are not here with me, mm -hmm. because when you're writing, there is just this energy that comes and you just want to pour everything out and you don't even know what you've written until it's being edited and you and you're like, wow, I wrote that. So it's yeah. It's it's it could be that we are possessed by the writing spirit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
What I like about poetry is there are no boundaries or limits. I usually say where journalism stops, poetry continues because with poetry, there's poetic license. You get to say whatever the you want to say. Mm-hmm. Nice. And as Geno said, where journalism stops, that's where poetry begins. Mm. Okay, so up next is Geno. In a world of Kardashians, Fabiolas, Natashas, women like B do not just sit back and wait for men like you to fall onto our laps. Men like you do not notice women like me walking across the room. Men like you don't wink, lick your lips and make your bewitching smiles at women like me. See, women like me either shoot our shots or are noticed for our wit. We have to have a sense of humor so that our beauty can be recognized bit by bit. Women like me do not get head turns at first sight, no. We have to be extra funny, read books so many, make our own money so that what we lack in hips is covered up by our brain. Women like me cannot afford to lie in bed like a log. To keep a man like you, we have to activate beast mode, soften our waist to appease your demons, polish our ooze and ass to please your arousal and swallow to worship your satisfaction so that what we lack in skin complexion is made up by our actions. Women like me are lost in the abyss of hope, wishful and prayerful, fasting for attention, dieting for recognition. And you know what's sad? When people like you finally genuinely like people like me, I don't believe it. Because women like me have been ruined to think men like you could never admire as sad. But my woman begs to be cut cold from the inside. My body is only a vessel meant to decay and be ravaged at the dining tables of the wiggly creatures of the earth. So instead, I uphold my soul to society's beauty standards. Woman, carry your spirit with utmost bold shine beyond the confines of your hips. Let your brilliance radiate beyond the lipstick on your lips. Again, I beg to be cut cold from the inside. Such depth, my goodness. Yeah, my uh, next piece is sort of a protest against, um, you know, when you're depressed and then people on the internet want to send you love from over there. It's Mm. not the real thing. Mm. So... (laughs) Did you know a virtual hug is not close to real? Like, did you know texting you are not alone does not declare me unburdened? Why tell me to speak up if you actually won't listen? Here, let me tell you something. I think about death more often than I try to live. I smile, I dine with my demons way too much that they become too aware of my loyalty. So they knock and come in uninvited. How rude. People say we all need something to hang on to. Sad, my addiction is tears to my pillow. My romance is spilled in uncontrollable shakes of emotions in the quiet of the dark. I toast, I turn, I whimper like a wounded dog and will whatever in the universe is listening to take this unknown pain away. Listen, you expect me to have reason every time. I'm sorry, I don't understand it either. You expect me to understand that you got issues too. Yeah, I hear you, but it's me right now, withering to a thousand excuses for hating existence. Listen up. 
You tell me things like it will get better. Question is when. You say hang in there. Question is will the landslide that is my patience wait for me? Listen, don't give up on me. Thing is I am an insatiable void. I am the voices in my head that I need to stop. I am the bath, the breath and death of me. Yes, sometimes you are a lubricant to my rough friction but it is all ashes without me. Listen up. I need me to get me out of me alive. Wow. Ooh. Wow, wow. As promised, I rant a lot. So now let's talk about the status quo. This is within us, a raging war, the want to be equal, to be whole. But what's being whole while creating endless holes? The abyss of the status quo, you are sinking and sinking in phobic meditation, life begins to dictate you. In Uganda, to be above, you must have a first class graduation. Failure is sink to the P6 dropout of education. To be respected, you must be a billionaire of this generation. To be comfortable, you must have the keys to the BMW ignition. And when the demons of the empty wallet win, you carry the burn envelope to the so-called pastor for dedication wake up what is the status quo who made all of these rules why won't i eat with my fingers at the dinner table who started that why should i know about marie antoinette and the bourgeoisie the canadian prairies and the tennessee what is wrong with being a fisherman surviving by the sea who started that so what if my TV set lies in a two-bedroom apartment, in your mansion, aren't we watching the same DSTV? So I cannot have the white-collar job balance the books because I was proud and mentioned African in my CV? Who started that? Because I drive the Corona, I don't seem fit to be in your range, rubber team. Because I cannot afford 25 cows, I'm suddenly no longer the perfect man for your daughter, a team. Because I'm made of charcoal, I won't automatically be missed in. Who started that? I am labeled poor because I can only afford black tea. What is the difference between bread and butter and mandazi? Oh, so I am third world because my Kanzu and Gomesi are not Gucci? Who started that? Simply because I can afford extra change on the highway, the red light is not red, the green light is not green, and the zebra crossing is definitely not an actual zebra? Who started that? <laughs> The status quo. It makes you evil in the eyes of the Christians. When your dreams don't pass, you venture into alcoholism. It makes you absent in the lives of your children. When your ends don't meet, you venture into workaholism. It makes you batter your wife in domestic violence. For when she stands up to you, male superiority makes you venture into sexualism. And dear woman, because you desperately need the job, you're quite too quickly pull up your skirt, open your legs, and venture into prostitutionalism. And so I have a few questions. Is it wrong for you to only speak vernacular? No. Is it wrong for you to want to own a motorbike instead of a car? No. Is it wrong for you to want to get married at 40 years? No. Is it wrong for the Munyankole to sometimes only have eyes for the Acholi? No. Is it wrong for so many things that the status quo has made us believe is wrong? Wake up, rise up, get up, stand up. How about we all start by growing up, learning to accept who we are, living with one another in spite of who we are? Let not the status quo mess you up. <laughs> and I like that you bring an important issue, which is mental health. Mm. And many times when we talk about rights, human rights, we forget that mental health in itself is a, a human right. Yeah. Exactly. And then the stigma that comes with it. Mm. And so even in your protest poetry, I see that you're confronting various issues. Yeah. Mm. And, and that is what the misconception has been, that protest is 
placards and mm-hmm. and street mm-hmm. walks but yeah. what you yeah. you do what we do on a daily basis even existence sometimes mm-hmm. is a, as an act of protest yes. yeah. your <laughs> hair your natural hair yeah, exactly. or wh- how whatever you choose to do with yourself is protest and i'm simply amazed by you Okay. So up next Caroline Achen. So this piece I wrote when <laughs> still Anyanzi undressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was all this, you know, talk about her and everything. Okay. Before I undress, allow me to distress my untiring plea of candor to clowns donning colonial wigs masquerading as judges in a filthy home whose locks were changed in 1986. Before I undress, let me express my plight as my nipples riot inside my bra, expose this injustice I will, there is no reprieve in this filth, but conviction that flies attest to this. Before I undress, grant me access to the trails in your ignorant minds. And let every poetic syllable haunt you like a ghost, wail like a banshee. Let the orphan children of the rain offer you a coat. Protest peels this cotton fabric from my skin. The NRM eczema can't stop itching. I undress. As I undress, allow me to redress yesterday's mess. Flung out my breasts. I will break something. Provoke inflamed tongues, begging for an audience with a cultic robe of law and order, scanning out oaths taken after the bush war. As I undress, I'll aggress this societal caste with the rage of my femininity. Call me a vile creature as the stars align for me and history plays a plaintive tone. Call me shameless as my saggy breasts take on another form on the battlefield. Take the morality Bible and throw it on my face. Let the pages cut through my conscience and taint my name. The headlines will scut more poetic joys and blame my pot of clay for mistakes unknown. As I undress, I'll impressed with a gleaming rod of defiance wander through the des- desert of injustice recall past aggression as the flies bid their adieus nine more months I'll lay sweetly on the bosom of mother earth and drink with ancestors past as the real thugs loot Kampala under the guise of the national budget and the ment- mentally enslaved chant Oh, Uganda, the land that feeds us with children plagued by hunger, hollow bellies and roomy eyes, jiggers infested feet and dry peeling lips. The daunting realities that roam the streets with us. The pornographic committee still starves for the vagina of Mother Earth with deception streaming through their blazing eyes. Let me undress. Wear this shame once more in color TV. Take the title of madness for I am mad. Mad at the suit that won't leave the kitchen wall. Mad at the sham we eloquently celebrate. We are not free. We should all undress. Yeah. My second piece is incarceration blues. Tie me down like cattle and lead me to the slaughterhouse. Let your whips descend upon my back and rip my flesh. Manacle my hands behind my black, my back and bludgeon me with your baton until I am unconscious. Marinate my wounds with salt and pacify me with slave spirituals. Preach non-existent freedom again to this monument of a woman. You can clip my wings and shackle my feet with hate. Drag me like a corpse through the insomniac streets with naked ankles and gushing wounds. Even in chains, I will still roam the circumference of this dim-lit cell like a free woman. 
besiege my soul, calcify my spirit, sentence me to a purgatory of me, execute roseate dreams and corrode my psyche with your lies, fill my mental crypt with fossilized tales, draw shadows on these dirty walls and summon fear. Even in nightmares, I'll walk through alleyways, a free woman. Scathe relics of emotion from my heart, crucify hope and let faith falter. Distort my narrative. Tell the world that I am a philosophical cone, a rebel, a child of treason. Erase me with Photoshop. Wrap the noose of injustice around my neck and let me hang from the courthouse. Even in death, I will walk free, for I'm a master of my own life. You can have my body, but you can't have my mind. This is about body shaming. Ode to my body. Yesterday, my amplified cellulite and tiger stripes broke the internet. Jiggly upper thighs conversed with a plain blue sky. Flabby arms paid homage to our ancestors as the rustling leaves chanted my name in sweet repose. Crooked cops in plain clothes polished my body, hit me with a baton of botanical words from a shredded dictionary. They tore up my confidence with scripture from the morality Bible and played dice on my white lingerie. They blamed the sun for kissing my body. They cast my designer as the wind did push-ups. My body positivity and pride was reduced to mediocrity. Do my flabby arms and thunder thighs distress you? Does my bustling and curvaceous body offend you? Does it hurt when I stretch, fold, and pose in a swimsuit like a model? Does the aura of positivity in my skin, my body, provoke your loins? Should my confidence be only restricted to bedroom addresses? Bear naked as truth as turn, defying every label and stereotype. Breaking bad in a society crafted to put down full-bodied women. Your distress, my impression. Yesterday, my amplified cellulite tiger stripes broke the internet, and I make no apologies. Wow. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> wow, Carol, I, I find your language very interesting. You have a farm... Uh, Farm hold on metaphors and literary devices. And usually people out there have said that poetry mm. is for intellectuals. Uh, do you sometimes simplify the way you write for different kinds of audiences? Oh, yes. There are times when you write a piece and they're like, eh, we don't understand anything, you know. They try to make you feel like you're speaking a different kind of language. So I feel like these days I try to tone down on the diction and make and hope that they understand, you know, without stretching so much. Does that change what poetry is in any way because and of the literary devices? No, it doesn't change poetry because poetry is also supposed to be understood. You know, our ancestors, they, they had like these riddles and, you know, folk tales, which were understood. It's also a form of poetry. So I feel like both of them, you know. I think at some point, poetry should be for the sharp-headed. So if you were army people and you're on the front line, hmm. your guns right now is poetry, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Pens and inks are uh, armor. Wow, it's amazing. I feel, I'm already sweating. So I imagine I have all this fire inside, you know, mm -hmm. that I just want to bring out. Because when you talk about protest poetry and all these poems we're able to recite, it sparks that kind of, you know, emotion. Mm -hmm. Where you want to just go out there and you be like, you know, 
for you like plant the poetry there and you'd be like, this is it. This is it. This is for me. This is what I am communicating. This is not right. So yeah, there's a whole re- lot of emotion. In, and yeah. I think I feel free for, you know, for the first time I performed one of those poems and it has always been haunting. Like you can't perform that here. You can't perform that here. But yeah, at least I found an audience that won't judge me because they won't see my face. (laughs) 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 Nice one. Uh, Since we are past all this censorship conversation, for me, every time I do poetry, I keep saying it's as fulfilling as uh, finding crisis to a Christian and as satisfactory as orgasm is to sex. It's a release for me. I'm, I'm happy, as in I have said something and I hope whoever gets a message out of it gets it. Sometimes we have received messages on social media like, man, you inspired me. And for me, that is the goal. Just one person to understand. The next episode takes us to beautiful Zanzibar to speak about the state of human rights on the island. Sovereignty belongs to the people and those who are in positions of power are supposed to serve the people, not for them to be the masters of the the people. Look out for the next episode. This podcast is produced by Eric Mwinemgaju and edited by Sarah Kimani. I am Prudence Nyamshana. Bye for now.